Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Chad Moyer filling in for Susan Littlefield here today. And we're visiting with Brad Coima from Coima and Verilek in Sioux Center, Iowa. Interesting day in the uh, in the livestock futures. Uh, uh, kind of a disconnect. We're going to talk about that here in a moment. Uh, it was a pretty good day for the grains. We'll hit on that as well. Uh, first of all, just give us kind of an, an overall summary of the markets here. Uh, how, how was the movement in the grains and livestock futures today. Chad, thanks for having me on. Um, first of all, you know, generally we had a, a, a positive day. You know, I mean, those of us in the business go a green day means usually on most of our screens, green is higher markets, and and for the most part, that's what I'm looking at. There's a few exceptions where the live cattle contracts were a little bit mixed, but hogs higher, grains higher, and particularly the, the probably the star of the show today for what we're going to talk about was the corn market. Um, but you know, on the on the cattle side. Um, I, I, you know, you hinted at that in your in your in your little bit of your preview there about um, the cattle market seemed to have a bit of a disconnect from from what it has been this week. Really solid cash news, and particularly today, where uh, you know they were getting a few cattle bought yesterday at around one thirty, uh, which was fully steady. In some cases, maybe a little higher than last week. Um, and then today, the, basically, the market moved to 132 in most regions, south and the north, uh, so solidly too higher. And you'd say, well, well, that ought to, you know, give us a little boost in the futures. And what we ended up with is just a ho-hum mixed day, which uh, you feel a little, a little, at least I feel a little cheated. 20 lower on the east, 12 higher in the FEP. There's a old saying, Chad, that I've, you know, when you get as long in the tooth at this deal as I do, you you start to accumulate these little idioms, right? And one of them is. Um, when you whip the horse, he'd better run. Unfortunately, that that kind of uh, rang in my ears all day. Uh, I guess what that what that means is when the news is good, the market should rally, right? When the news is bad, the market you would expect would go down. So when the news is good today, and we just didn't do much with it, I was a little disappointed. Now that doesn't mean to imply that I'm necessarily all negative and bared up on on the cattle thing, but uh, I gotta admit, there's more of us that are going like, "Gee, that cash at 132, and we all we've got is December cattle at 132." Uh, did seem just maybe just a little disappointing to me today, Chad. Yeah. Well, let's expand on that a little bit more because, like you say, you, you kind of got to wonder, okay, what do we don't know that the futures market knows? Because you said uh, there, there's a, a plenty of fundamental news. What are what's the what's the good news out there? And do you think there's any news that we don't know, or what? Are, what are, is there something we're waiting on? Do you think? Well. You know, that's a, that's a really, uh, genuinely a great question. Uh, one that I've asked myself for a while here. You know, I mean, you know, we might say it this way. What, I, what is the market trading? In other words, what, what is the news that the, the trader uh, thinks is the most important? So you've had a struggle with this notion here that, or, and in, in some cases real, but I, I would say becoming more of a, a notion now that we have this tremendous backlog of cattle because of the inability to get stuff slaughtered on a timely basis. This goes all the way back to the Holcomb fire in August of 2019, and certainly it was perpetuated through the whole COVID problem with absenteeism at work, you know, not being able to, to even have plants open. And, you know, so there's this concept out there that we've got all these cattle backed up. I really don't believe that that's the case anymore. Uh, so, you know, I've been dialed in here, and as any analyst should be, I think, uh, to what the slaughter levels have been lately, and lately the slaughter levels have been very, very robust. So, 
I'm very encouraged by that. Um, the seasonality of the cattle market, uh, while it's only, you know, that you can't rely on that alone, but this would be the time of year where one would expect seasonally that the odds are very, very strong that the market would move higher between now and, say, the week before Christmas. So, there's, uh, you know, some of those things are pointing that direction. Demand, don't, don't kid yourself, demand is outstanding. Uh, they're selling this meat higher than they've ever sold it before, um, and uh, and we're selling lots and lots of it. And globally, the demand is outstanding too. Last month set a record, um, so that's the positive side of the fundamentals. I think I'm not so sure that there's this lurking negative fundamental out there, Chad. As much as um, there's two sides to the market, there's a buyer and a seller. So the speculative buyer lately, the last couple of years, has been he's been. Um, punished i mean he has had a hard time uh two major black swan events um you know between COVID and then the fire and and he's a little i think or she is a little uh it's like trying to catch a, a football over the middle right when you got a jump you're kind of like going like what's going to happen to me if i if i if i do this again right um so i think that that's the problem a little bit um now i'm confident that that long speculator will he'll get his mojo back it's just uh, maybe we just got to be a little more patient for it yeah do you think this compromise bill between senator fisher of nebraska and senator grassley of iowa is that going to encourage anything any movement or buy-in in the markets it's not going to change anything overnight um it, even though i am delighted that 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 the bill is is going to get dropped don't get me wrong i think this is a extremely positive first step um there's lots of things about the bill that I really, really like. Um, you know, obviously we first have to get this thing passed, but uh, to me, you know, the reality of it is it's going to take a while to implement it if we get it passed, but, but this has to do something if it's passed to improve transparency, price discovery, and price determination. That's the goal of the deal. To, to ensure that by region these packers, uh, have to participate in the cash market at a higher degree or higher level than they've been is, is critical. To get some of this news out there, uh, transparency, like the next day waits and a little more clear articulation of what this, all these contracts are, the library of contracts piece is important. Um, I, um, no, I think it's a, it's a, to me, it's a very needed, uh, much needed uh, piece of legislation. Um, and uh, I'm very encouraged by it. Uh, whether it changes anything in the marketplace in the here and now, we probably need to wait just a little bit to see as that translates out to, uh, you know, hopefully the timing of this thing is that we'll time it with LMR, get it passed sometime in December. And so then it won't take so long to see after that. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it'll take just a little bit to get it moved through the process, I'm sure. All right. Again, we're visiting with Brad Coima, Coima and Verilek in Sioux Center, Iowa. Uh, coming up in our second segment, we'll talk a little bit about the hogs. Maybe there's some things changing in there. And, of course, recap our grains as well. It's all coming up in the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Time for another Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish with Fontenelle Hybrids. Let's visit with Chris Ross. He's a Fontenelle dealer near Plattsmouth, Nebraska. And Chris, you've been in the seed business for over 40 years. What do you enjoy most about working with Fontenelle Hybrids? A lot of the guys that I work with, I have sold seed to their fathers and their grandfathers, so it goes back many years. I think when a grower calls me and says that he's getting the best yields that he's ever gotten on a farm, uh, it really is a very rewarding experience. It makes you feel really good about yourself and about the product. Chris, what makes Fontenelle stand out among the seed landscape out there? Fontenelle has always treated their people with the greatest 
script in my opinion so it, they're kind of unique in that way and then when you put that together with the excellent product line that that they have uh, it really is a pretty unbeatable match well for more on being part of the fontanelle family you can contact chris ross in the plattsmouth area or your local fontanelle dealer with this fontanelle feature i'm joe gm Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Again, Chad Moyer with you and with Brad Coima from Coima Verilic in Sioux Center, Iowa. Uh, Brad, uh, we, we spent a lot of time talking about cattle in the last segment. Let's go to the other part of the uh, CME and, and on the mercantile, and that's the hogs. You mentioned before we went on the air, maybe there's some uh, tones changing in the hog market. What's going on here? Well, we've... Um we finally saw, I thought it was a significant shift last week, finally, you know, we've done this interview uh, over and over, and and then Susan's asked me, and I go like, you know, when you have this much, this many hogs, this much production, you have to have perfect demand, and, 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 and we had kind of lost that perfect demand because we had noticeably absent uh, China from our from our export business. Uh, thankfully, Mexico has been windrowing the pork out of here lately, but China has been notably absent for a number of months, actually, until finally last week, a significant purchase finally from China. And uh, it's always difficult um, to read the tea leaves with China, Chad, because they are uh, they are good negotiators. They are hard to read um, uh, to the point where if they say black, you probably should figure white. Uh, you know what I mean? And uh, um, so it was nice to see some you know, proof in the pudding here that they actually were back in the market. And I think that that's been um, helped the, the, the hog futures get a little bit off their rear end here. Um, now, part of our traders, of course, are not are not fundamentally biased, even though, you know, most of us are. A lot of our traders, you know, trade based on what the technicals or what the charts look like. And I can tell you today the charts look as good or better on the hog charts, in the, especially in the summer months, as they have in a long time. So I think today you probably also had some fun buying. Because those are the triggers that those those kind of people look at. Uh, so I would say a combination of a little stronger demand fundamentals and uh, a stronger looking chart patterns got me a little encouraged on the hog market for now. All right. Hopefully, like you say, build a bottom, follow through on that uh, here in the in the future. Let's switch over and uh, mention the the grains before we wrap up here. Corn was up about fourteen cents in the nearby. Uh, looks like uh, soybeans were up about four to five here. Uh, what's uh, what's going on with corn? Uh, why they uh, why did that take a leadership role today, Brad? Interesting trade on the grains, particularly in the two row crops, corn and the beans. Uh, I'm sure anybody that cares noticed no knows and remembers yesterday. Uh, the grain report, which had uh, you know solidly friendly numbers in the in the beans, and really honestly, uh, statistically, a little bit negative numbers on the corn, and so you kind of go like, huh? So that's why corn is a lot stronger than beans, ha ha. Um, the corn's got some drivers here, and I think I think that the, one of the things is the uh, other markets that influence corn, and that would be the wheat market. Uh, extremely strong wheat, uh, twenty three four higher on the on the wheat complex. Uh, all the small grains, oats up sharply. Was limit for a while today on the oats. Continued impact of what was a, you know a very real problem weather wise in terms of the northern U S. and 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 uh, Canada with a short a small wheat crop. And, and uh, off to a start here where the, some of the conditions, at least worldwide, are a little bit less than perfect as well. So um, I, I think that the the corn was a, a little bit of a beneficiary of the wheat, but but to dial in onto the corn, 
So we got the report yesterday, okay? We raised the yield a little bit. They had increased the acres a month ago. Uh, so we've, we've worked on the supply side of the equation. Now, what about the demand side? I think anybody that, that's engaged at all with the ethanol industry knows what that's like. I mean, they are windrowing it in the, in the ethanol deal. So I would expect with the USDA really not making any significant changes to the demand side of the column in terms of ethanol, corn use for ethanol, that, that I think looms out there as a, as a, a potentially friendly fundamental in the trader's mind. Uh, and the basis, that's who's getting into this basis is as strong as I've ever seen it in some places, particularly for this time of year. So you've got, uh, you know, some solid stuff to, to, to grind on the, on the corn thing. To me, the bean struggle, Chad, is, is you got, you got, uh, South American continent has the ability to raise a lot of beans and they're very incentivized to do it, uh, because of the price, big price. You don't hear anything out of there. I mean, quiet is usually means that it's going okay, which everybody tells me it is that we're going to have big acreage and that crop that's in is off to a big start. Uh, and then you have this whole input argument of what it's going to cost to raise a corn crop next year compared to the bean deal. So the beans, I think the corn market's in nice shape, but if I was a bean hedger, and I am, I would certainly be dialed into or ready into looking at some of next year's bean prices as some opportunity. Yeah. And don't you think, too, it's interesting what the what's going on right now, the strength of the futures, the strength of the basis, and the market just doesn't seem to be giving much in terms of any carry or basis strength when we get into next year. Now, it's strong, but not as strong as right now. That's that's kind of interesting, don't you think? Uh, absolutely. Um, and you, you, you bring up a good point. I'm not sure if I've got as good an answer for it because there's but more of us that have been wondering just a little bit. In terms of what that means, I, you know, and especially so, my thinking on the on the corn side of things. I uh, to have July corn have 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 a less than six cent carry from March to July is is that's pretty tight. I, I, to me, that's an indication of of uh, much of the commercial must be living in the here and now. We got to make sure we have enough for today, and we'll worry about tomorrow later. Brad, it's always good to talk to you. How do folks get a hold of you if they want to talk about what's going on in the markets? Hey, you can sure give us a call, 800-358-3047. That's Brad Coima, Coima and Varalek, Sioux Center, Iowa. Don't forget, trading commodity futures involves substantial risk of loss. It is not suitable for all investors. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and your local Fontenelle dealer. Here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting.